Bokatov, we're doing Haftara of Yitro today. The Haftara records the revelation that came to, to Yeshaya uh, when one day in the temple he heard the Seraphim singing, Holy, 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 Lord of Hosts. I'm reading from the commentary here, the, the Hertz commentary. And, and seemingly the comparison here is because in this week's parasha we're at Har Sinai and we see the glory of God. So in Yeshaya's prophecy in which he experiences the, the, the Malachim singing to the glory of God, then it's, it's, the, it's a similar thing. Yes. Okay? So, Word of caution. The Navi in his prophecy sees a lot of physical manifestations of Borei Olam. These are not literal. These are things that, are, that he's seeing in a vision. And they're just manifestations. They represent different elements of his experience of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, but but uh, they do not represent obviously Akadosh Baruch Hu himself. No Navi could see Akadosh Baruch Hu himself. Impossible. Okay, so Bishnat It wasn't in the year of the death of the King Uziyahu that I saw. <coughs> excuse me, that I saw Hashem sitting on the, on a, on, a, on a chair that was elevated and raised up, and the edges of his robe were filling the Hechal. So what's going on in this first mm-hmm. Pasuk? So the, the first Pasuk, it's Borei Olam is his throne and his robe is sitting, is, is reaching into the Hechal. What's the Hechal? Hechal is the Kodesh, or the area of the, of the, of the Kodesh, or the, the Kodesh of Kodashim. Yes. So the, the symbolism here is that, I, I once heard like this, what is the Aron? What is the Aron Habrit the, that we carry that has a Torah in it? It's the, it's the communication with Hashem. It's the way we communicate with Borei Olam. But what, what the, I, I heard that the way you're supposed to look at it is that those angels on yes. the top of the Kiruvim, they're yes, putting they're, their wings out and they're making it like a flat surface. That's in a way like the chair of HaKadosh Baruch That's the Merkava. Okay. Uh, quote unquote. That's like the chariot of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So in in uh, Yeshaya's vision, he's seeing that Borei Olam is sitting in his on his throne, and his robe is coming down into the Echal. So it fits with this idea that the that the Aron in the Kodesh Kodashim is like the throne of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, there is more to it than that because the whole Kabbalistic there's a whole field of Kabbal, of of the Kabbalah called the Merkava. The study of the Merkava. It's very tied to the Nivuot of... Uh, it's, it's above my pay grade, but it's tied to the Nivuot of, um, of Yechazkel. And, and the, uh, the whole idea is that you have like Ma'aseh Bereshit and Ma'aseh Merkava. Ma'aseh Bereshit is the study of the way God created the world. And then Ma'aseh Merkava is more how God operates the world or something like that. And the Ma'aseh Merkava study is very tied to the knowledge of the Kodesh HaKodashim and the, and the Aron. So it makes sense that that, that would be where Borei Olam's quote-unquote throne is. Pasuk Bet. Serafim omedimi ma'alo, shesh kenafayim, shesh kenafayim le'echad. Bishtayim yechaseh fanav, uvishtayim yechaseh raglav, uvishtayim ye'ofef. And then there are these angels, Serafim, mm-hmm. that are standing... Next to him, or, or hovering next yeah. to him. And they have six wings. And they have six wings. Two? Two. two. Yeah, two to cover its. Six per, per angel. With two, it would cover its face. With two, it would cover its legs. And with two, it would, yeah, or fifth, it would hover. 
Yes. The angel would hover. And what, what does that mean, by the way? What's the significance of the angels with their wings? I, I don't really know. I think that the covering is a sign of modesty. Because the angels be are they're standing, be they're standing before Akalosh Baruch Hu. Right, so they're covering up the same way the the Kohanim, We do the same they thing. Wear, we we right. try to imitate when the Kohanim is saying. Uh, right, you cover. Ah, interesting. I didn't even realize that's what I. <laughs> but the the idea is that the Kohanim, when they'll say they have to go up, on the on the, on the to the Mizbeach. Yes. So there's a there's a reason there are no stairs because if there are stairs, their legs would show. Yeah, they have to. <laughs> so it's a sign of modesty So they have to cover uh, It's interesting that the Kohanim When they're doing Birkat Kohanim They cover themselves with the Talit Probably also a sign of, of modesty Covering You know what it is I think it's I think the symbolism there is That the Kohen Is doing away with himself So that the, the blessing could go Onto the people from, right. Directly yeah. from Hashem Meaning I'm just a vessel for the bracha, so my personal identity doesn't matter. Be, I think that's that's the idea. You shouldn't look at you shouldn't see me. Right, exactly. You're not supposed to look at me. Pasuk three. The karaze elzeve amar kadosh 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 adonai tzevaot melocho laaretz kevodo, and they would call one to the, to the other, and they would say, "Holy, holy, holy is God of legions, the one who fills the entire earth. Uh, his honor fills the entire earth." Okay, Pasuk 4. Then the posts of the door moved because of the call of the caller, meaning call of the angels, and the house filled with smoke. What does this remind you of? Yeah. So what filled with smoke? The, the Harasinai yes, Ashan Kulo yes, Because they were, you know, Israel, they yeah. were sitting on it Exactly So that you can imagine The trembling of the yes. mountain Is like the trembling Of these posts The Amot Sipim, And the bite That the house Is filling up with smoke Is like Vihar Sinai Ashan Kulo Good And in that time It was Ashad Yarar Alav Adonai The Har Sinai Became filled with smoke Because God came to it And this time It's Mikola Kore Because of the angels So maybe this like Nevoah it's like a lower level of what B'nai Israel experienced at Har Sinai, something like that. Okay, Pasuk okay. And then Yeshaya says a typical Moshe-esque comment. And he says, Oi, because I have been, I've become quieted, because I am a man of impure lips, and I dwell amongst a nation of pure lips. Uh, my eyes have seen the the king Adonai Tzivaot. So Yeshaya is saying, I'm not worthy of doing of doing prophecy. And on top of that, I'm now in mortal danger because while I'm impure, I've also seen the glory of Akalosh Baruch Hu. See, Bnei Yisrael had three days to prepare to see Akalosh Baruch Hu. Right. I don't know if Yeshaya over here is, is prepared, but he's saying that I've seen something that's too intense for me to experience, so it's dangerous. And if I want to do nevoah, I'm no nobody to do nevoah because my lips are impure. Vaya af or vaya of? Oh, I don't know if it's vaya af or vaya of. Um, I I don't know if this is a. If, let's see. No, no, it won't have it in there. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Let me think. It's probably vaya af. I don't know. Okay, somebody will correct me on the recording uh, through text. 
ויעף אלי אחד מן הסרפים ובידו רספה, במלקחיים לקח מעל המזבח. And one of the angels flew to me and he had in his hand רצפה, it's רצפה, it means tongues. במלקחיים לקח מעל המזבח. And he took here. From the, from, from the other. Yeah, which he took, which had taken... Oh, oh, here it says the, the, the Ritzpah is a glowing stone and he had taken with tongs from the altar. So the Melkachaim are the tongs, which makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, Ritzpah is a, Ritzpah was a glowing stone. So Ritzpah is a type of coal. Yeah, yeah it's a coal. Yes. Yeah. So the, so the angel comes coal, to me with a coal in his hand, with a coal in the... In the lit, maybe. Right, with a coal in the tongs. Right, so he, he put this on my mouth, the, the coal to my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has been touched to your lips, and now your sin has gone away, and your iniquity has been atoned. So, Yeshayahu is complaining that his lips are impure. Yeah, it's... The angel comes with tongs and a coal, touches his lips, and now all of a sudden his lips have become pure. Do you know what this reminds me of? There's a Midrash that says that Moshe, there's a Midrash that says that Moshe, do you know where Moshe got his lisp from? So, it's a very interesting Midrash, it's cryptic, but the Midrash says that when Moshe was young, Paro wanted to see if he was going to be a competition to the kingship. So Paro took him, he's baby Moshe, Paro took him and he put a crown, a gold crown, and he put fiery coals, one next to the other. And then he said, I have to see what this baby's tendencies are. If the baby reaches for the crown, then I know he's going to be competition, so I have to get rid of him. But if the baby reaches for the coal, then he's, no, then he's, uh, then he's not interested in the kingship, so it's fine. And then Moshe is about to reach for the crown. (laughs) But then apparently a malach, an angel, in the Midrash, an angel, took Moshe and and forced him to take the coal. And then Moshe, he took from the coal and put one to his lips. As as any child would do. Right? And then then he burnt his lips. And that's how he got his lisp. He burnt his lips and then he got his lisp from that. So it's, it's a similar, the Midrash could be similar to what Yeshaya is doing here. Because in this, in this, uh, in this, in this text, Yeshaya says, "My lips are impure." Then the angel comes with him with coals, and he touches it to his, li- his lips. Now, ironically, the coals that go onto Yeshaya's lips are going to allow him to speak. Yeah, because it's going to purify. It purifies him. So maybe also Moshe was the same thing. Could be. Could be. Maybe the the reason Moshe was fit for Nebuah in the first place because, was because was, his lips already, were, already, already. Were, not only that they were purified but they were weakened it's a, I've said this before but the Torah wants to make a point with the fact that our greatest leader didn't, didn't sway us with great oratory and convince us with beautiful speech our, beautiful, our, our best leader he convinced us because the ideas were, you know, were, were paramount okay and then I hear the voice of God saying, Who should I send and who will go for us? And I said, Behold, you can send me. So Hashem said to me, Go and tell this nation, You will listen, but you will not understand. You will see, but you will not, you will not know. 
ואוזניו אכבד, ועיניו השע, פן יראה ועיניו, ובאוזניו ישמע, ולבבו יבין, ושב ורעף. I love this פסוק, it's a beautiful פסוק. No, I mean, it's a sad פסוק, but it's, it's a, it has a nice ring to it. Okay. The, the heart of this nation has become heavy, or it's become fat. ואוזניו אכבד, and the ears have become heavy. And the eyes, I don't know what hashat means. Sealed. Uh, the eyes have become sealed. Yes. Lest he sees with his eyes, and with his ears he will hear, and with his heart he will understand, and he will return and he will heal him. Meaning, the nation keeps away from this. The nation has no ability to hear anything. Lest, if they were to open up their heart for one second, things would become better. But no, they're not going to do that. They have to do teshuva. So then, so then Yeshaya turns to Hashem and he says, okay, this is what I will tell them, that basically that you, you, you're destined to, not ever listen, to never listening to, the, to wisdom and to doing Teshuvah. So then Yeshaya says, so how long will this last? How long will B'nai Israel not do Teshuvah? Ba'omar Admatai Adonai says, until when Adonai? Ba'yomer, and Hashem answers him, Adasher im sha'u arim me'en yoshev, uvatim me'en adam ve'adama tisha'eh this is going to go on until the cities will be waste without inhabitants and the houses without man and the land will become utterly desolate. Wasted. Yes, and it will become completely uh, uh, desolate. And God will distance man and the, the forsaken places will become many in the midst of the land. And then there will be a tenth, it shall again be eaten up. It's, it's all hard psukim. I'm, I'm having a very hard time today it's, interpreting it's, everything. It's, but this Assyria represents the remnant of Israel. Yes. Okay, so there will be about a tenth left after all this destruction and, and their thing that they will return and they will be eaten up but despite the fact that they will have trouble there will be like a tree that they remain that it remains and despite all the difficulty it'll it'll be able to sustain itself okay now this next part we don't read it we don't read it this is that Ashkenazim read so we're, we're going to stop the haftarah there i think we should start a little bit of the parasha huh? oh, yes for sure Okay, so to summarize Aftarah, very as usual, the ones that are from Yeshaya, I mean, it's not, not an easy book. But the, the main point is, this is the Aftarah, it's, it's a bit Aftarah to know, because you want to know where the tefillah comes from. This is the Aftarah yes. from which we get the Kadosh, 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 Adonai Sebot, Melok, And the main point of the Aftarah was that Yeshaya, in this, in, this, uh, in this text, he experiences a Nebuah in which he experiences the glory of God, and we see God... Uh, uh, with the smoke and the intensity are all experienced and that's very similar to what Bnei Israel experienced at Har Sinai. Correct. Okay? Now what's interesting is that a, every Jew experienced the Nivuah of Har Sinai and for Yeshaya, the individual who was a trained Navi, this was a very grand experience from which his reaction was, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not ready, I'm going to die. <laughs> Bnei Israel, all of them, 600,000 men, we're at, the, we're at Sinai and had a very similar experience. So it goes to show the, the gravity of that experience that B'nai Israel had. Okay. Now we are Parashat Yitro. What was the last thing we did? So the last, the last part of last week's parasha was the, the fight Amalek. against Amalek. Yes. 
Yes. Okay? The Yoshua destroyed Amalek and God basically swore that from now on there will be a war against Amalek, Midor Dor. Um, I, I was reading a few themes. Let me see if I could remember what I wanted to, to mention. No, I can't remember. Okay, uh, there were a few themes from last week's parasha that I wanted to add, but I don't have them on top of my head. I have to write them there down. Is, there is always tomorrow. Yeah, I have to write them down. Okay. Perak Yudchet Pasuk Aleph. Vayishma Yitroch Kohen Midian Choten Moshe Et Kol Asher Asa Elohim LeMoshe LeIsrael Amo Ki Otzi Adonai Tisam Yisrael. And Yitro, the Kohen of Midian, the father-in-law of Moshe. By the way, there are some opinions. I think the Ibn Ezra said it's the brother-in-law. Because there, there's a lot of confusion with all of the names of oh, Yitro. too many names. Too many names. Yitro, <laughs> Yeter, Chobav, Chever. Uh, Sometimes uh, they say it's a grandfather. That's a, the, 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 yeah, so they say, well, they say it's a grandfather. So the, 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 one, of the, one of the interpretations is that there, there are three people involved. There's the grandfather, oh, there is the father, and the brother-in-law. Oh, so it's not one. It's, probably it's not one. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I always, I always interpret it as one Money. for the sake of making it easy. But there are opinions that say it's three. There's the grandfather who was Ruel back yes. in the day. Then there's then there's Chovav who was the father. And then, and there's, then there's Yitro who's the, the son, son. Oh, who's okay. the brother-in-law so brother of Moshe. Okay. So we heard at He heard what God did to Moshe and to Israel, his nation, God's nation. For God had taken Israel out of Egypt. And he throw brought or, or he took uh, Yitro, uh, the Choten uh, of Moshe, took Tzipora, the wife of Moshe, after he had sent her. When did Moshe send her? When he went on the way. So yeah, so, Aaron, the, Aaron so the Midrash them, says, exactly. So the Midrash tell, tells us that whenever Moshe got to Aaron, Aaron goes to him and says, hello, we're all suffering here. You want to bring your family into more suffering? So at that time, when he gets to, gets to Egypt, he immediately sends Tzipora and his sons back. And her two sons, and her two sons, that the, one of them was named Gereshom because he said, I was a stranger in a strange land. This is the name we saw before. We saw this back when Steve was telling us about Moshe's psychology yes. that he didn't have a thing. We said this was the hint, right? The hint to, to the fact that Moshe didn't have a, a, an identity was the fact that he named his son something about being a stranger, which is Moshe's real, he, he, he feels confusion. himself to be it's a stranger. Confusion. So this name we are familiar with, familiar with but the next, the next one, And the other one was Eliezer, because the God of my forefathers was to my help and he saved me from the sword, sword of, of Paro. So this one's a better name, because sure. this is Moshe later on in life. Right? Yes, and it shows that he has more... Uh, more, uh, he's, he, had, he had related. He had found himself a yes, home yes. because he said the God of my forefathers. So he recognizes Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov as his forefathers all of a sudden, and he recognizes their God and he realizes that their that their God is helping me. So now Moshe is like more at home. So the second son, the name is is much better. Okay. And he throw the choten of Moshe and his sons. And his wife came to Moshe to the mountain. Now that was Yitro and and Yitro and his own family. It's not. This is not. Is that Moshe's family or he Yitro's says, family? Come to Moshe with his sons and wife. Whose sons and wife? That's the question. It could be either one. I, but I think it already said Moshe's wife and yes. sons. So maybe it's his. It's maybe his it's own. his own. Very possible. Yitro came with his own family. Very interesting. 
anyways, he came to, to the place where Moshe was camped, to the mountain of God. Let's see if it says anything here. Nope, it doesn't say anything. Okay. And he says, yeah, came with your wife and your two sons. Yeah, but, but that, that could be what Yitro is saying to Moshe. Right, so, so he says to Moshe, I am your Choten, uh, com I've come to you, and your wife and her two sons are with her. It's interesting that Yitro doesn't describe it as your sons. He says, your wife has come with her two sons. Yes. Did you feel that there was a little bit of a distance between? Could be. Maybe Yitro is basically saying, these sons are not yours. You know, they're they're tiporas. But he's not coming. He's not. Yitro isn't coming in with an aggressive, passive aggressive tone. Yeah, we don't hear about Moshe's children, which is typical of Tanakh. Great people in Tanakh typically don't leave over good sons. Elia Cohen. From the beginning of Shemuel, his sons were sin sinful. Um, Aaron's first two sons, they sinned and they were killed. And then Shemuel's two sons weren't good. Uh, so it's very, there's also a motif in Tanakh of having two sons. Every great leader has two sons. Even Aaron, who had four sons, they described as two and two, which is interesting. I don't know why two sons is the, represent jealous, it's the representative they, number of. to show jealousy, to show. I don't know what it is, but, it, but, but there is that motif. Okay, so Moshe goes out to greet his father-in-law or his choten. They bowed and he, uh, he bowed and he kissed him and they asked how they were doing and they come into the tent. So we're going to stop there. But again, from this pasuk, it doesn't seem like Yitro is coming very aggressively. It doesn't seem like he's coming with any chip on his shoulder. So why Yitro described it as, I brought your wife Tzipura and her two sons and not and your two sons. It's, it's just odd. It's very, it's very distant. I know he's creating he's creating distance, but it's weird because we don't expect it because they're not in the rest of the text. We don't see any any maybe, disgruntlement. Maybe he was scared. He, he was scared that uh, Moshe because became so this uh, exodus. He became so important. Will not give enough attention to his brother. Oh, maybe he's saying Sipura has come with her sons. If you don't have time, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that it. That was the, the reason. I get I it. I think that's the reason. Because he, he already, scared, he, he already, that okay, that's a very good chidush. He already gave, Moshe already gave Tzipora, at least according to the Midrash, he gave Tzipora away because he didn't want to involve his family in the fiasco in Egypt. So then he's saying, now that you're out of Egypt, here's your wife and your kids. It's, it's her sons. Don't yes. feel an obligation yes, yes, to a, come back to your family, yes, but the, the, her, son, her sons are here. That's a very interesting take. And then, and then he comes and he right away kisses him and he shows that you know warmth and everything. Right, and Moshe says no, 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 and and, and maybe Rashid. that's the glory of maybe that's the beauty of Moshe, and that he didn't let the greatness get to his head. And he's like, what do you mean? This is my family. Yes. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I, I sent them away last time because and you're my family also in the same. Right, family. right, and he brings him in as if you're. And then later we see he's going to go and I think in Sefer Bamidbar he's going to beg Yitro to stay with yes. them. Or we're actually there. I think it calls him Chobav. So actually, know, also could be different. Learns from Yitro. He uses Yitro. You know, yes, that's also another thing. In the next aliyah, yes. Yitro is going to offer sage advice. Okay, Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen. Amen. Amen.